Up next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. The practice of medicine through the phone, email, or online video chat is called telemedicine. According to the Wellness Council of America, over 70% of all ER, urgent care, and doctor's visits can be handled safely over the phone. HealthTerra provides personalized telehealth services, giving you access to U.S. board-certified physicians 24-7, anytime, anywhere. Doctor's visits at your convenience at HealthTerra.com. And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hello and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and very excited to be kicking off the start of a new year. Actually, January marks our first anniversary of officially launching the Cannabis Reporter. And since we began, nearly every single day, we learn about a new miracle unfolding because someone has transitioned to medical marijuana. It's really it's hard. hard to fathom why marijuana is still classified as a Schedule One controlled substance. But there it sits, right alongside LSD, heroin, and meth, deemed by the DEA to have no redeeming medical value, despite the mounting scientific evidence that it has numerous medical applications. Why is a good question. We can ponder the many conspiracy theories about politics and deliberate oppression by special interests, like pharmaceuticals and alcohol, private prisons, petrochemicals, big agriculture, and the lumber industry. All of them have vested interests in the proliferation of the war on drugs. While some of those theories may have some concrete merit, the lesser-known truth is that ending prohibition is not simply a matter of breaking tradition with domestic political allies. Jobs are on the line, as is political capital. Unraveling failed policy also has far-reaching global implications. When the Controlled Substances Act became law, nearly every developed nation in the world was coerced into an international convention on drugs that mirrors U.S. policy. Rescheduling marijuana would amount to the most powerful country on earth, exposing a great deception at worst or failed policy at best. It would also mean admitting we were wrong to have engaged the entire world in one of the most costly, deadly, and enduring wars of all time. So saving face isn't the only consideration. Conceding defeat means untangling international policies and rewriting drug treaties that have bound us since Nixon was in office. What I find ironic is that the DEA's power to enforce marijuana policy is dwindling. Higher courts and 29 states have taken matters into their own hands. Last year, the United Nations convened an International General Assembly session to discuss international drug enforcement policies and address the problems with the war on drugs. One by one, we're now seeing foreign countries abandon the U.S. convention and move toward more sensible policy. Often as a result of public demand for healthy alternatives to deadly pharmaceuticals, and that's the topic of today's show. Our guest today, I am very, very excited to have him on the line. His name is Dr. Stuart Titus. 
And he is actually one of the premier pioneers of this industry who's been involved in the growth of many companies in the cannabis industry. Um, he started his relationship with Medical Marijuana Inc., becoming its seventh investor. He is truly a pioneer in terms of taking medical marijuana to other countries. Dr. Titus, thank you so much for being here. Well, it's a great pleasure to be on today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I was reading recently, you have been hugely successful dealing with other governments on a national level in those countries to enable patients to receive access to CBD. And I wondered if you could explain a little bit about that. Let's start with Mexico, because I thought that was very interesting. Well, we've been very uh, fortunate to have the wonderful opportunity afforded us uh, within the country of Mexico. Um, as of February 1st, 2016, uh, Mexico has welcomed our products under a special uh, exemption, uh, which um, allows uh, families who uh, properly petition the government uh, to receive um, this uh, all-important uh, <clears throat> medication for the treatment of refractory epilepsy. Uh, this is a type of epilepsy that seems to be resistant to typical pharmaceutical intervention. And uh, we've had uh, a similar opportunity within Brazil going back to April of 2014. And um, we've had some very nice uh, uh, results with uh, many families uh, having uh, their children uh, seizure-free or at least significantly reducing the number of seizure episodes, which of course adds to everyone's quality of life. And uh, these uh, families in Mexico were similarly uh, seeing what was going on in Brazil, and then they wanted to petition their government to similarly allow uh, access to our products uh, within Mexico. Uh, we work with uh, a good number of attorneys uh, who represented the families, and these attorneys were kind of the intermediaries between the regulatory authority in Mexico, the COFE priests, as well as uh, the families. And so uh, through that, uh, we were in contact with the attorneys. Uh, basically, uh, in Mexico, we had a separate challenge because there's so much controversy about marijuana and THC, the war on drugs, the cartels, the violence, etc., and uh, basically what came back to us uh, through these attorneys was that the regulatory authority, Kofi Priest, said, okay, we see what CBD, non-psychoactive from industrial hemp, can do uh, for patients with uh, epilepsy. We're all for this. However, you, Medical Marijuana Inc. and Hemp Meds, have to remove all the THC from your product in order to be able to bring it into Mexico. And our flagship uh, product, the Hemp Meds, Real Scientific Hemp Oil that we've uh, developed many years ago, uh, does have a trace amount of THC as well as a trace amount of other uh, cannabinoids in this uh, botanical formulation. And of course, we believe this adds uh, significantly to the entourage effect, as it's called, just the synergistic component of all your cannabinoids and all your other plant materials, your terpenoids, flavonoids, plant waxes, chlorophyll, etc., all acting synergistically together to produce this entourage effect. Um, anyway, uh, we went to our laboratories and uh, worked with our um, uh, development team, and uh, we wound up uh, making a uh, THC-free 
uh, version of our real scientific hemp oil. We call it RSHOX. And uh, this product, uh, uh, incidentally, this would be the first uh, cannabis-based product to uh, pass world anti-doping standards. So any professional sport Olympic athlete or any uh, U.S. military personnel or a truck driver, anyone who's regularly drug tested, uh, could utilize this cannabis-based product, this being the first cannabis-based product to so qualify for this, and can use this product without fear of failing a drug test. Um, anyway, we, we did come up with this product about the uh, end of the year, uh, 2015. It was uh, tested significantly by the regulatory authorities in Mexico, just to be sure it was fully THC-free. And uh, we did pass uh, all tests, and uh, our product was uh, accepted and welcomed into Mexico as of February 1st, 2016. Wow. You know, th that's quite a feat, actually, um, because... Even hemp, industrial hemp, has traces of THC, so that must have been quite a scientific uh, miracle from your perspective to be able to isolate it out that much and make it completely THC-free. Well, we, we certainly uh, you know, have been working on this idea and concept uh, for uh, uh, quite a while because you know, we just thought that, uh, you know, of course, there's certain controversies and uh, you know, to be uh, you know, appealing to um, you know, many uh, conservative mothers here who, uh, in the U.S. Uh, you know, who are slowly uh, were educating the world, uh, so to speak. But, uh, of course, we have many um, you know, very conservative people in this country as well as liberals and uh, there are those that uh, just don't want their children exposed to any uh, type of THC or there are other uh, professionals who uh, you know would love to utilize our products but they can't uh, just because there is that trace amount of THC that just may uh, be controversial or cause them to fail a drug test so we have been working on this but uh, the fact that Mexico really came forth and challenged us back in you know uh, the mid part of 2015 to develop this really accelerated our efforts and that uh, we were very fortunate to be able to have uh, uh, done this uh, developed it and uh, brought it forward uh, I, I think we've had a number of firsts uh, within the industry and uh, certainly it's been a, another uh, great one to have the first cannabis-based product that actually would qualify for world anti-doping standards. It's my understanding that during the UN General Assembly um, last year, they, Mexico was actually making some indication that they might be passing some kind of uh, medical marijuana um, national legislation. Do you know anything about that? Yes, uh, Mexico has been uh, debating this uh, in uh, several debates uh, throughout the country at various sites. Uh, it's been quite something that the regulatory authorities uh, there have uh, really wanted to, uh, particularly uh, President Nieto, has really wanted to have this uh, national debate. Originally, he was opposed to uh, any form of marijuana, cannabis, hemp, CBD, etc., just because of its controversial nature. Uh, but with some education and seeing some of the great benefit for many of the patients, and particularly um, a, a very close associate of ours, uh, Raul Elizade of the Poor Grace, Poor Todos uh, Foundation in Mexico. Uh, this was his daughter who had a, a terrible uh, form of epilepsy. And Is that she's Emily been, Zoe? Uh, very, very well with uh, treatment with uh, CBD, and certainly her seizures have come down to very acceptable levels, and uh, I think there's been a, a great story here. Uh, not only Raul, but all his other 
uh, families that have been in this uh, particular foundation. And once uh, President Nieto has seen this, he said, my gosh, I just have to totally change my opinion and uh, certainly has welcomed a national debate on this so that uh, other politicians can move forward in a very similar manner. And I believe the Senate, uh, the Mexico Senate, has overwhelmingly passed legislation uh, favoring medical cannabis. It's now uh, going over to the House of Representatives, and hopefully they can come up with a, a bill that uh, President Nieto can sign uh, sometime uh, you know, the first half of this year. Yeah, and I, I understand that Emily Zoe is the daughter um, that you were referring to. Is that correct? Uh, she's the one with the Lennox. Uh, Emily Zoe, yes. Yeah, she's one of our uh, uh, patients who's been utilizing our RSHOX product and has some uh, wonderful uh, success. Uh, we've also had a nice uh, informational study done by a Dr. Carlos Aguirre out of Mexico City. And uh, I think our results uh, compare very favorably with the pharmaceutical uh, versions that are uh, being tested here in the United States. Right. So it, her her case was very unique, and she also had tumors, I understand, that uh, that she was able to uh, control with, with the CBD oil that she's taking. Is that right? Well, there's certainly, yes, wonderful uh, stories, anecdotal evidence, uh, et cetera. Uh, so she's been a great one. Uh, we've had a nice one here in San Diego uh, County in Ramona, uh, young child Sadie Higuera. And her uh, parents, uh, her father, Brian Higuera, has been uh, uh, certainly on the news uh, quite a lot with uh, her amazing story with this uh, genetic disorder called uh, Shinzel Gideon syndrome. And uh, again, characterized by a significant number of uh, seizures, um, tumors, et cetera, et cetera, other uh, developmental challenges. And uh, certainly the child is doing uh, remarkably well. Uh, she's just started uh, special uh, school, special needs school uh, last um, uh, <clears throat> spring. And uh, certainly we're thrilled to keep following uh, these uh, children's uh, progress and seeing them start to develop in a more normal manner. We actually did a story on Emily Zoe that was um, published in December. And I, I just was so touched by what that family has been through. And it, it just seems so incredible that that you have taken the initiative to actually help them uh, gain access in Mexico. And we also did a story on Sadie Huera. It's just a very, very heartwarming. You know, we set out uh, thinking we could uh, potentially uh, make a big difference in the world and, uh, you know, to be actually living that uh, reality is, is quite uh, empowering. And uh, certainly uh, it's nice to see that uh, both these children had, you know, challenges, not only the, the seizure disorders, but also, um, you know, some type of a degenerative condition, uh, potentially having these uh, tumors, which uh, even uh, Sadie on the uh, local uh, CBS News, uh, the reporter said, uh, uh, was mentioning that uh, the tumors had been uh, reducing and her doctors were quite amazed at the uh, uh, therapeutic application that uh, this product has been able to uh, provide. Certainly, uh, we're very excited about uh, you know future research to be able to uh, further delineate exactly how and why this is working and uh, what number of potential uh, conditions uh, this can fit into. But uh, going back to the science, certainly, when you look at the human body and the physiology, we have uh, discovered in the mid-1980s this tremendous internal endogenous cannabinoid system and that we have a tremendous amount of receptor sites uh, throughout our bodies 
for cannabinoids. Uh, your CB1 receptor sites in the brain, uh, your CB2 receptor sites in the internal organs, the viscera, the gut, if you will, which seems to help and regulate immune function. Uh, you have uh, G-protein coupled uh, receptor sites, which uh, Dr. Oren Davinsky thinks that the action of CBD on these particular um, receptor sites seem to be the mechanism by which uh, patients are overcoming their epileptic seizure disorders. Uh, their vanilloid pain receptor sites, which uh, uh, believe that uh, any kind of cannabinoid, particularly THC, is having a great effect on uh, people's uh, pain perception and the ability to manage pain effectively. Um, so I, I really believe that uh, science in the future, we certainly have a, a tremendous number of uh, research opportunities, just given the huge magnitude of this endogenous cannabinoid system that uh, we all have within us. And that's another um, very important thing about, you know, the eventual legalization of at least medical marijuana and rescheduling of, of any form of cannabis so that that research can be completely opened up because it's been this chicken-egg scenario where you can't do the research because of the scheduling, but you know, you need the research to deschedule it. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's so crazy. I'm just ready to jump off a building. My gosh, it's just the, the whole thing. It's just the hypocrisy on it. Listen, these are absolute and vital nutrients necessary for the optimal functioning of the human body. And if you take away those nutrients from the human body, you're going to start to develop and you're just going to start to have a decline in overall health, which you know, if you're a young child, okay, maybe, um, you know, it's not going to affect you. But over time, certainly our aging process uh, becomes accelerated if you do not have these necessary and vital nutrients. And all of a sudden, uh, we have a lot of patients uh, in our uh, society today who uh, we believe are severely cannabinoid deficient. And many of these patients develop some very difficult to treat conditions, things such as fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, migraine headache, and this is all listed under this condition of clinical endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. Yeah, even, so even Alzheimer's, there was a study done recently that they're starting to believe that, that uh, cannabinoid deficiency is, might be partly responsible for that. Well, I, I certainly think there are a huge number of uh, these maladies that uh, when, when patients become cannabinoid deficient, uh, you certainly uh, lose the ability to regulate uh, homeostasis or the balance within the body. And uh, this endogenous mm -hmm. cannabinoid system is so far reaching. It has implications into metabolism. Uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, overweight or obese uh, uh, people in this country, and we have a lot of diabetes as a result. And we believe that uh, cannabinoids have a tremendous place in this uh, metabolic syndrome uh, field. So uh, I'm very excited about the future and future uh, research here. I just have to believe that you know our bodies do produce our own internal cannabinoids. And unfortunately, these internal cannabinoids are very quickly degraded by a fatty acid uh, enzyme. But uh, the body's supposed to uh, accept and take in these plant-based cannabinoids to supplement. And the nice thing is that these plant-based cannabinoids seem to have a longer uh, shelf life, if you will. They last quite a lot longer in the body and uh, seem to have a wonderful uh, therapeutic application. Yeah, whereas the synthetics just don't seem to cut it. 
Well, certainly, uh, you know, there, there are uh, synthetic uh, THC uh, products available on the market, your Marinol, Dronabinol, uh, Sesamet, et cetera. And these have been around since the mid-1980s, uh, FDA approved as uh, Schedule Two or Schedule Three. Patients can go into a doctor's office, uh, get prescriptions, and utilize these products. But patients, by and large, uh, would prefer to pay out of pocket go to their local dispensary, purchase their cannabis, and already we're seeing in these cannabis-friendly states a marked decrease in Medicare Part D spending because presumably patients are just going to the dispensary using medical cannabis to control their pain, inflammation, or other maladies in a way that uh, pharmaceuticals, of course, you have these uh, you know, potential benefits, but you also have side effects and certain risks that you have to weigh and balance. And, uh, basically, with cannabis, uh, here you got 114 times safer than alcohol profile. I mean, my gosh, uh, it's just uh, unbelievable that we're not doing this. And it's unbelievable we're not growing industrial hemp here in the U.S. And that's going to totally transform our economy and add percentage points and jobs back to our national uh, GDP. It's just crazy we're not doing this. It is, isn't it? Um, I first became interested in cannabis by writing about hemp. And it, it was shocking to well, me it, that industrial hemp would even be scheduled. <laughs> just. <laughs> It's absolutely great. I, I just have never seen anything uh, like it. It's just uh, un unfortunate that uh, this has uh, come about this way. But uh, truly, uh, you know, to be able to plant hemp, and uh, we have so much uh, toxic agricultural land now. It's all been uh, sprayed with chemicals and pesticides and herbicides, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, our artificial fertilizers and everything and hemp. Uh, really can help clean up some of these uh, toxic agricultural soils. And certainly the hemp seed is uh, tremendously nutritious, too. So yeah. uh, status uh, effect for uh, people's overall health and wellness. You've got your essential fatty acids, uh, which are basically brain food. You've got your essential amino acids, which build healthy bodies and healthy protein. And then you've got these aminoglobulins, these uh, uh, beneficial proteins you find in hemp that basically support the immune system. Um, you know, it's just amazing that uh, it's so difficult to find these hemp products. They should be available everywhere. Again, the hemp seed, I believe, is the the food of our natural human biological adaptation. Mm -hmm. Horses and cows, uh, you know, they just internally, just uh, intrinsically know what food to eat. They eat pasture grass. And other animals have foods of their natural biological adaptation. And we humans are a little bit omnivores, or we are, uh, you know, we eat a lot of different foods. But uh, the one food that can sustain us uh, throughout our lives uh, would be uh, actually the hemp seed, interestingly enough. Yeah. And I, I imagine that eventually the common knowledge is going to push new regulation. And I, I really hope that that is the case. But what's something was really interesting that um, actually published another article about this answering the, the DEA's recent announcement, which sent off red flags to all sorts of pro-cannabis groups. And you had a very good explanation of what this is. And what I found really interesting, and I think most people don't realize, is that CBD is actually legal anywhere in this country pursuant to a high court ruling. Explain to us what it was that, that um, you explained in, in a recent video that you released. Well, yes, uh, and this is, uh, again, something that uh, we've spent a lot of time 
uh, energy and effort in, in totally uh, researching this. Uh, basically, the uh, uh, federal court ruling uh, you're referring to, Hemp Industries Association against the DEA, uh, started back in the uh, late 1990s. It was settled in, uh, I believe it was February 2004, the Ninth uh, District uh, Circuit uh, Court of Appeals. Uh, basically ruled in favor of the Hemp Industries Association and thus allowed hemp food products uh, to come into the country. And these hemp uh, food products, uh, hemp seed, hemp seed oil, hemp protein powder, all would contain uh, trace amounts of cannabinoids and particularly THC. And um, potentially enough for a military uh, person uh, could you know, eat enough hemp seed or take enough hemp seed oil to where they might fail a drug test and get kicked out of the military. It's not that they were, uh, you know, smoking marijuana for uh, a high effect or that they were going to be doing their job while they were, um, you know, intoxicated or, or what have you. But uh, it's just uh, something that, um, uh, you know, hemp seed, as I mentioned, is extremely nutritious for us. And the Hemp Industries Association uh, saw a tremendous uh, market developing for these uh, hemp food products. And um, the court ruling basically said that the DEA way overstepped their bounds and that there were uh, certain parts of the uh, uh, plant that were exempt from the Controlled Substances Act. Now, of course, there are many um, you know, uh, creative uh, marijuana growers here in the U.S. who have seen the uh, benefit of uh, CBD, and now they're growing kind of a hybrid strain across with maybe a high concentration CBD, a little bit lower concentration THC, et cetera. And there are a number of different ways to extract uh, your cannabinoids. And one of the easiest ways is from the flowering tops. But um, if uh, one uh, really uh, looks at uh, some of the research uh, that's been done, particularly by the American Chemical Society, and uh, they've done a lot of research actually on the flax plant, and it turns out that there are many other plants where you can find cannabinoids just besides the cannabis plant. But uh, if the cannabis plant is grown uh, properly or uh, if you can uh, develop uh, certain uh, characteristics, uh, you can actually find cannabinoids expressed uh, throughout the plant, not only in the uh, flowering tops, uh, but also you can find cannabinoids in the leaves and the stems, the inner herd and the stalk, et cetera, and all the way down to the root. So uh, from here, uh, basically, uh, we've uh, been able to grow a high concentration CBD within a hemp crop, and we've done so over in Europe, uh, just where it's more legal for farmers to be able to not only uh, grow hemp, uh, because there are a tremendous number of industrial applications, uh, farmers in Canada can also grow hemp similarly, but in Canada, they're only allowed to take certain things off the farm. Basically, most of the stock uh, has to be left uh, on the farm and plowed back into the soil, but farmers can extract and, and take the seeds and utilize that. And uh, in Europe, uh, basically, we uh, have the farmers uh, have a little bit more leeway to do things with the uh, stock of the plant because uh, basically most of the biomass is then converted into a biocomposite, either uh, dashboards or door panels for Mercedes-Benz, BMW automobiles, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a tremendous number of uh, uses 
but also the uh, stalk as well as the seed uh, would have a high concentration of uh, cannabinoids and particularly that of CBD and that's where we uh, have contracted with farmers to grow our hemp. We do our extractions over in Europe and then bring that back here to the U.S. So uh, what we're doing is uh, kind of similar to what the hemp food industry is doing and just that so you can buy uh, in any uh, health food store or whole foods around the country hemp seed, hemp seed oil, hemp protein powder. Uh, our products uh, just because of the way we uh, process and extract are similarly uh, fitting into that uh, particular category. So someone in uh, a state that has not uh, passed any medical marijuana laws, for example, the Dakotas, uh, they can actually go online and order a CBD product and not be breaking the law. Is that correct? Uh, Yes, they could order uh, from us. Now, there are other you know, manufacturers and distributors uh, here in the U.S. who actually grow um, <clears throat> marijuana or grow hemp uh, here in the U.S. And technically here, the 2014 Farm Bill only allows for hemp to be grown for research purposes. Um, many uh, state laws, of course, allow uh, for certain cultivators to grow uh, marijuana. Uh, and this is not supposed to be uh, taken across state lines. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, we have 16 U.S. states, I believe now, who have CBD-only laws on their books so that uh, parents can actually possess a high concentration uh, CBD, which may also contain a significant amount of THC that would be maybe over the federal limit, which is trying to be imposed of a 0.3%. But uh, this uh, provides them the ability, these parents, to be able to stay at home and not have to move to Colorado or other um, recreational states uh, and uh, be able to uh, utilize a a product that may potentially help their families and help their children. Yeah. So, So the bottom line is that if you live in a state where it hasn't been legalized yet, you just have to be ultra careful where you order these things online to just be sure that the product was actually grown elsewhere and imported into the U.S. Is that basically correct? So, uh, yes, that's uh, something that, uh, you know, uh, I know there's a a developing marketplace here, but uh, again, the education is going to be so terribly important, just the fact that uh, our products, uh, we believe, uh, fit the letter of the law. If we ever had to, you know, go to court and litigate over this, uh, we feel very comfortable and confident in our arguments uh, based on uh, prior uh, court rulings and uh, prior court decisions. Yeah. So what do you feel is going to happen nationally? What's your, you know, I'm just going to take the temperature here and what you think, because you're really tapped into what is going on with the, the different regulations that we have what do you do you feel that that an end to the national prohibition is is near? I really do. I, I believe you know we certainly have now we have uh, twenty nine states with the medical cannabis laws in the books, another sixteen with uh, seventeen with uh, uh, CBD only laws. Uh, I mean, uh, certainly there's an unmistakable trend. Uh, a huge number of uh, patients now, uh, we mentioned switching from uh, prescription drugs over to the cannabis side. You can see this with the Medicare Part D expenditures, et cetera. Uh, this is a, a tremendous trend. The American Pharmaceutical Association has been uh, following this. Uh, I, I truly believe that uh, very soon this uh, uh, prohibition, I mean, certainly if we're going to allow 
uh, alcohol and tobacco in the country. Uh, my gosh, uh, since this has got such a safe profile and just unfortunate, uh, terrible stigma attached to it, but uh, we're slowly overcoming that. And uh, of course, many families, uh, mothers uh, uh, seeing great benefit with their uh, children. And uh, it's just something that uh, uh, we're, we're very excited about uh, continuing forth with the research. Uh, we just think that uh, you know it's just an unmistakable uh, you know type of physiology. I mean, you have this tremendous internal endogenous cannabinoid system, and the way to supplement it is plant-based cannabinoids. These are basically necessary vital nutrients. These are the foods of our natural biological adaptation. I mean, my gosh, to keep us from these ter- these uh, essential nutrients is just uh, such a terrible crime. I, I just can't stand it. Yeah, it was fascinating to me as we've interviewed a number of of doctors that in medical school, you just don't get information about the endocannabinoid system. Uh, We find here in the U.S. that only one in seven medical schools uh, mentions this, much less teaches anything about it. Mm -hmm. So we're working to develop our um, medical education program, uh, teaching about this endogenous cannabinoid system and all the great research that's, uh, that's out there. Um, you know, certainly I'm going to have upcoming uh, presentations and certainly would be glad to uh, provide, uh, uh, you know, some of this uh, to uh, viewers and listeners as it uh, comes in. But I believe uh, sometime by about the 1st of March, I should have a really uh, up-to-date uh, presentation on uh, all the science and the research that's been uh, been going on. We're seeing some uh, tremendous benefit. Um, you know, the, this uh, G-coupled protein receptor site I was mentioning earlier seems to control about uh, the the functioning of about 800 of our internal genes or about 4% of our human genome. And it's been very interesting to see that certain, um, uh, you know, genetically inherited uh, disorders uh, like CDKL5 epilepsy or FOXG1 epilepsy, again, just, you know, genetically inherited uh, issues or the Shinzel-Gideon syndrome. And we have other uh, patients with other genetic disorders uh, all of a sudden are overcoming these challenges and what exactly is happening at the genetic level. Um, I'm very excited to work with our um, you know, local uh, San Diego-based Illumina group. And of course, they do the human genomic sequencing and to really see, in fact, if we're actually able to switch on, switch off, or have a beneficial effect uh, right down at the genetic level with these uh, products. There's something pretty remarkable happening. And to be able to quantify it and then show it to the uh, world that we've actually done uh, some of the research, uh, I think is something that's going to make a compelling argument in favor of uh, legalizing cannabis. Yeah, I know that um, you're also taking part in a book that I am going to be taking part in as well as one of the editors and one of the authors on the uh, human endocannabinoid uh, system. And I actually listened to an interview recently and it really is so cutting edge what what I mean, the knowledge base that you have obviously is far and above what most medical professionals have uh, in terms of really, truly understanding this system. And, you know, as you're saying, the genome sequencing aspect of it is really fascinating, too. And a lot of people have heard about the endocannabinoid system, but it's not common knowledge, the relationship that cannabinoids have with uh, our human genes? Well, it's, it's certainly uh, very interesting to even uh, be thinking about this. But uh, again, there are many ch- uh, people who have these uh, terrible uh, uh, you know, genetically inherited challenges 
and uh, many of them, of course, are on medication and uh, the rest all their lives to try to uh, cope and deal with the uh, particular uh, situation. And uh, many of these people have just come over to uh, you know, utilizing some form of cannabis or another just uh, in their experimentation to try to you know, feel better and uh, overcome uh, their challenges. And many of them have found a tremendous uh, success. We've had uh, a patient with a condition called Gilbert's uh, syndrome. Uh, it's a, a liver disorder with uh, generally uh, patients that have a very high elevated uh, bilirubin levels. And this is just a... a product of uh, abnormal uh, liver metabolism and uh, getting on uh, CBD products uh, for over a year, all of a sudden her uh, liver numbers are uh, normal, her uh, bilirubin numbers are well within the normal range, and all of a sudden she's been able to uh, uh, wean herself off of uh, pharmaceutical medication along with uh, working with her uh, doctor because he's saying, well, gosh, uh, uh, you don't have this condition any longer. Um, pretty pretty remarkable what's going on, and it really behooves us to go ahead and do some more formal uh, clinical research as to some of the benefits. I think that that absolutely is key to any future legislation, any changes that we have on a federal level, because just about everybody um, that you ask who is in a policymaking position, if they're not fully aware of all of the amazing benefits of cannabis— their first response is, well, we just need more research. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's the, the standard stock uh, answer. Um, you know, it's just uh, something that uh, the world is uh, begging for it. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, of course, uh, to convince uh, the medical community, uh, there are many uh, doctors now who do uh, prescribe uh, medical cannabis for their patients. Uh, and many, uh, you know, these uh, doctors are, are well-respected uh, physicians uh, with uh, very high level positions. Uh, Dr. Don Abrams, uh, chief of uh, hematology and oncology at uh, UC San Francisco uh, Medical Center. Um, you know, all his post-chemotherapy patients, he says they've all got challenges. You've got your nausea, vomiting, depression, you've got pain, you've got sleep issues, um, and their you know, lack of appetite, etc. And he could prescribe, say, six different medications with all kind of differing side effects and interactions and the rest. Or he can just prescribe medical cannabis. And, uh, he does so, and many uh, patients uh, love him for that. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, very I mean, impressed with some of the research that uh, he's been able to put forth. Uh, uh, certainly uh, a great uh, couple of studies on uh, uh, neuropathic pain with uh, cannabis, uh, low-dose vaporized uh, cannabis for neuropathic pain, etc. I'm just uh, uh, so uh, impressed with uh, the quality of uh, you go to some of these medical symposiums and these uh, doctors with brilliant uh, research, uh, and just to be able to learn from some of these doctors, I'm just very honored to be in that uh, group that uh, occasionally gets to attend these events and uh, certainly uh, try to learn as much as I can about uh, the up-and-coming science because I, I believe the next. 200 years, uh, we may be able to replace as much as 40% of all pharmaceutical medications with cannabinoid-based medications. That absolutely seems possible and likely, really. I mean, we've got so much anecdotal evidence, and it is really exciting to um, see more and more events coming. There's actually one coming up in April um, this year in Pittsburgh, which I you may know about it, actually. In fact, you may even be there. You may be uh, planning to go. It's being organized by Compassionate Certification. 
centers? Oh, yes. You know, I've, I've heard of this, of course, and uh, Pennsylvania being one of the recent uh, states to uh, legalize for um, medicinal use. Uh, it's nice to see that Pennsylvania, I believe, had 18 different indications for use. And if I'm not mistaken, Ohio, uh, another recent state, had 21 different medical indications where uh, patients uh, could potentially uh, get uh, medical cannabis to treat these uh, disorders. And uh, I think that bodes very well for the future of research. I do too. I do too. And and Pennsylvania, especially, it's, it's such a hotbed of academic uh, research and clinical studies and they have a lot of access there to um, great science. So I'm really excited to see what, what comes out of that. And our efforts, too, just to, to really get out there and start educating not just patients and consumers, but also educating the medical community because there really is such a, a lack of formal education on this topic. So it's very, very exciting. Well, for sure. And to be able to you know, have some of these uh, wonderful uh, uh, symposiums uh, here in the U.S., this wonderful group, Patients at a Time, has these uh, annual symposiums now that uh, I'm very excited to, uh, to see them getting uh, traction and momentum with uh, things such as uh, uh, the American Cannabis Nurses Association, et cetera, just uh, all these great uh, medical professionals are starting to come over, see the light. They're seeing uh, you know, results of what their patients uh, are telling them and uh, certainly uh, uh, moving forward uh, slowly, but uh, but surely into this uh, wonderful field. Uh, you know, we, we certainly have uh, two uh, uh, investment companies that we've been uh, funding uh, quite nicely, uh, Axum Biotechnologies, as well as Canalife Sciences, um, basically uh, companies that we've helped uh, uh, finance and uh, develop over the years. And uh, certainly they're involved in uh, pharmaceutical research to uh, show the world the tremendous uh, benefits of the uh, medical side, medicinal side of cannabis, but uh, certainly uh, we, we feel that uh, there are many instances where the natural botanical uh, provides a tremendous, uh, you know, just a health and wellness uh, kind of a lifestyle. You take, you know, a certain amount of vitamin C every day and you should take a certain amount of plant-based cannabinoids every day just for overall health and wellness purposes and for a lifestyle uh, uh, type of uh, uh, supplement or what have you. We, we really think there's a great place for both the pharmaceutical side as well as the natural botanical. Yeah. I actually, um, I've been drinking hemp shakes for a long time, but started actually taking uh, CBD oil I had um, uh, purchased for my father, who was having some health issues, which I've talked about on this show quite a bit. But um, I have to tell you, it, it has a very uh, mind-clearing effect on me for some reason, and it's, it's uh, just straight uh, hemp oil like yours. So, well, um, yes, the, uh, the uh, hemp, uh, hemp oil itself, uh, tremendous uh, brain food, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. There's some uh, great uh, benefit. Many of us, as I mentioned, are uh, deficient not only in cannabinoids, but also in essential fatty acids. Um, I know we say fat and everyone just kind of, uh, you know, turns their back a little bit because uh, uh, it's something that uh, when actually these essential fatty acids were, were developed or first researched and discovered, uh, initially I believe they were called uh, vitamin F. And if it was actually still called vitamin F today, we would be uh, taking and ingesting and looking for these uh, wonderful uh, nutrients because truly uh, they're called essential because they have to necessarily come from our diets. And if you don't necessarily have these uh, essential fatty acids in your diet, 
uh, you're going to be uh, deficient. Uh, and basically, your brain's going to be starving for the food that it really craves, interestingly enough. So, uh, yes, uh, it's been uh, tremendous uh, taking these, uh, you know, not only cannabinoids, but also when you start to supplement with the hemp oil and the hemp seed oil in particular, uh, I, I think you're doing uh, the ultimate that you really can to maintain health and wellness of the human body. And I do it daily myself. Yeah, I have my hemp shake, uh, hemp seed, and hemp uh, uh, seed oil all mixed together. A little bit of CBD and uh, the rest, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that so many people could could absolutely benefit from it. So, from a business perspective, um, just to shift gears a tiny bit, because you've been such a pioneer in the industry from a business perspective, in addition to all of the research and um, educating that you're doing. Uh, there have been quite a, um, a a mixed review of investing in in marijuana, like from from uh, an investor's standpoint. What are your feelings about the future of um, companies, and and not just yours, but um, marijuana startup research development companies and stuff like that? Um, why is there so much trepidation in the financial sector about marijuana? stocks. Do you know? Well, certainly it's been great. Our company, actually, Medical Marijuana Incorporated, ticker symbol MJNA, we were the first publicly traded company in the United States in this particular space, industrial hemp, medical marijuana, etc. And, you know, very interesting to see, I believe there are 230 uh, companies uh, since then who've followed us and they're uh, public in nature. Uh, basically, a lot of these companies are uh, very early stage, very uh, much uh, startups, but uh, uh, there's some very large uh, companies actually investing in this space. For example, Scott's Miracle Grow, uh, New York Stock Exchange listed company, a tremendous um, you know, billion dollar plus market capitalization. Uh, they're investing heavily in the space, soil nutrients, uh, grow lights, all these uh, ancillary uh, products and services that uh, are uh, legal, of course. And, um, you know, when the, the time comes, if uh, federal laws uh, do change, uh, certainly uh, we believe that there are many other companies that are just kind of incubating and uh, kind of biding time, so to speak. And uh, once uh, we have a change in banking regulations, once we have a change in some of the uh, federal laws, et cetera, uh, this truly could be the next great growth industry in uh, the United States. I certainly saw it uh, going back to 2009 when Medical Marijuana Inc. was uh, first starting. I was the number seven investor. And we've continued to invest in companies uh, throughout. Uh, my uh, business associates and I started a company called Canavest Corporation uh, back in uh, November of 2012. Uh, this grew at one point to as uh, large as a $6.5 billion market capitalization. And uh, we're certainly excited about uh, the ability to uh, start other public companies and move forward. I think our Axum Biotechnologies uh, company, uh, ticker symbol AXIM, has done uh, fantastically well over the past few months since they've received additional funding for clinical study and development. Uh, we have others that we're uh, keeping our eye on and uh, moving forward. I think Candlelife Sciences, our other uh, investment company that's uh, hopefully soon going to be public, I think is going to be a very exciting and compelling story for investors. Uh, certainly this uh, biotech space, uh, uh, we've seen what's happened with uh, GW Pharmaceuticals. Uh, great story. They came uh, to the public markets here in the U.S. I 
2014 at about $10 a share. Uh, recently, I think yesterday, they closed around $124. So I it's been a tremendous ride yeah. for investors over a very short uh, period of time, mm -hmm. uh, certainly. Uh, but, uh, you know, these other cannabis-based stocks, uh, uh, you know, over the years, many uh, sectors of the market come in favor and they go out of favor with investors. Uh, our company, Medical Marijuana Inc., I mean, we were like most other cannabis stocks. Uh, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we were uh, very much in favor. Then we fell out of favor. Our stock, I think we trade as low as three cents uh, going back uh, earlier in the year of 2016, um, you know, with the election and everything coming up in, uh, you know, 2016, the November elections, uh, things started to heat up about the 1st of October. A lot of little companies, uh, gosh, there's one, uh, OWC Pharmaceuticals, that you could have bought uh, about the end of September 2016 for about half a penny a share. Uh, today, I believe they're trading about 35 cents a share. So you'd make uh, like 70 times your money in about four months. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, what's, it's what's amazing. And, and we've seen, um, you know, with election results and all of that, the highs and lows, um, there's some normalization, I think, that happens. But just so people know, you actually have a background in investment banking. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I worked on Wall Street for 11 years. I was a bond trader with Credit Suisse, first Boston trader and underwriter. Right. Wow. Great it, career there. Yeah. Your, your career is impressive all around, I have to say. And, you know, I'm, I need to start wrapping this up. I'm being told by our producer. Um, but I, I really am so incredibly grateful that uh, you were able to join me today. Um, I've really been anxious to have a conversation with you because I think that you just have so much to share with our audiences, um, particularly. And, you know, I hope that we can actually get together and do this again um, sometime in the near future because uh, there will be other topics that come up that I know that you're one person who could actually answer them very, very well. <laughs> so, well, I uh, thank you. It's a great a pleasure to uh, certainly speak with you. You're obviously uh, extremely knowledgeable on this uh, particular subject, extremely passionate. Uh, we certainly share a lot of uh, similar interests. I know I'm going to have uh, some information up on our uh, website, Medical Marijuana Incorporated or medicalmarijuanainc.com is our uh, website. Uh, certainly will be up on uh, YouTube with some of our educational materials that some of your uh, listeners may have interest in uh, checking out. Uh, certainly appreciate the wonderful opportunity and can't wait to uh, round up with you again. Thank you so much. And, and um, for all of you listening, we will actually put information about um, your company and your bio and everything else on our website um, when you go on to thecannabisreporter.com and click on broadcasts. You can click on um, this episode and uh, you can read a little bit more about Dr. Stuart Titus and Medical Marijuana Inc. and all of the amazing things that they are doing. And also check out some of the stories that we've published uh, about Medical Marijuana Inc. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Stuart Titus, for sharing your incredible knowledge with us today. Great to oh, be on the show, Snowden. Oh, I really appreciate so the opportunity. I'd also like to say a million thank yous to our producer, Ed, from Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine. Thank you, thank you. And also, we are grateful for all of you listening. 
Please tune in next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop. Please check us out at thecannabisreporter.com. Until we meet again, stay safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Evergreen is cold.